This podcast is brought to you by the Empower Her program, a 12-week gut and hormone restoration program. If you are suffering from chronic digestive and menstrual cycle issues, this may be the program for you. Go to www.sophieandkyleen.com forward slash empower her to join the waitlist. Welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back ladies to the She Talks Health podcast. This is Sophie Shepard. So happy to be with you today after a couple of weeks off because we were in the middle of launching our 12-week gut and hormone program, Empower Her. 25 women signed up. We're so excited to be doing this again. Kyleen, my uh, my partner in crime, and I work with women um, every few quarter, like every quarter or so um, on their gut and hormone health. And so had to take a little breather from the podcast, but I'm right back in it and I'm excited because today is going to be my breakdown of some nutrients we can consider when thinking about hormone health and thinking about menstrual health. Because honestly, I get this question all the time, whether it's through DMs or a Facebook group or a private client, you know, what, Sophie, what are the certain nutrients? What are the foods that I can be eating to help my cycle? And, you know, it's a complicated answer. And I always say, you know, every woman is individual. And so I'll just preface this by saying, I'm going to give some general things and guidelines, but you are going to need to look at this and really think about how this is going to fit for you in your life. And so there's there's like the science, right, of what we our body needs. And then there's the practicality of implementing some changes. And that's going to be really individual. And every woman is going to need different things because genetically or otherwise, they might have different requirements. So I wanted to kind of go through this in two halves. The first half being, what are the general food ideas that every woman can kind of use as a guidepost? And then what are the more unique, nuanced ways we can support our cycle throughout each phase of the menstrual cycle? So if you are a, if you like to read along, 
um, while we while you listen to a podcast, know that you can always go to shetalkshealth.com and find the blog that corresponds with this podcast. Um, I, I frequently find, you know, I'll listen to a podcast and I just want to be able to see what they were talking about because it's a lot of information. And this is definitely one of those podcasts because I'm going to be talking about different nutrients and that might be kind of hard to remember. So you can always go to shetalkshealth.com and go to the blog that is for nutrients for menstrual cycle. Okay, so let's start with the three food ideas that I apply to every woman, no matter kind of who they are or what they're dealing with, some fundamentals that we can think about. Number one is blood sugar balance. So blood sugar balance is really key for optimal gut and liver function, as well as avoiding the stress that blood sugar swings place on our body. So this is important for two ways because the gut and liver are crucial for us to build and metabolize hormone and and even detox certain hormones um, and you know things like progesterone, cortisol, um, estrogen, <laughs> insulin, testosterone can all be impacted by our blood sugar balance. But how do we keep our blood sugar balanced? That's the big question. And how do we do it without driving ourselves insane? So if we think of this kind of broad spectrum, by consuming nutrient-dense foods that consist of protein, complex carbohydrates, and healthy sources of fat, those three macronutrients that you hear about all the time when people are talking about macros, that is what is essential for, I mean, for for everything in the human body, but certainly sex hormone production and proper liver function and blood sugar balance. And so personally, I am not a big believer in counting macros, not because I don't think it works, but just because I just don't have time to be counting my macros and counting my food on a scale really never sounded appe- appealing to me or appetizing to me. And I also see in practice how often this can really cause women to become overcritical about portions. So instead, I always found this this idea a little bit easier when you just think about your plate. So I suggest looking at your plate in quarters and then fine-tuning it for your body, right? So again, that individual woman's body. But if we were going to think about this from a quarters of a plate... You could think about a quarter of your plate roughly being from protein, about half of the plate, so two quarters, being fiber-rich, non-starchy vegetables like broccoli or asparagus, right? And then another quarter of that being um, complex carbohydrates like rice and sweet potatoes. And of course, we do want to make sure that you're getting adequate amounts of healthy fats in there as well. So Pro tip, if you eat animal protein, there is usually um, an adequate amount of fat in the animal protein. If you're eating more plant-based meals, then we want to be thinking about foods like olive oil, coconut oils, um, avocado, nuts and seeds, right? Things that um, have that lovely fat content that we can use to not only keep us satiated and from getting hangry, but also to help us build hormones and keep that blood sugar balance. So oftentimes, you know, when you feel that hangry coming on, and I know we've talked about this before on the podcast, but when you feel that crazy, like I'm going to kill somebody if I don't eat something kind of feeling, 
we want to remember that it's that combination of fat and protein and fiber that helps to keep our blood sugar stable and to keep us satiated. And if we don't have those kind of components in each and every meal and each and every snack, we are going to most likely get very, very hungry um, and maybe even hangry. And that in and of itself, if you feel yourself getting hangry, that is usually a sign that you're having a blood sugar swing and that is a huge stressor on the body. And stress and blood sugar imbalances can really topple over our sex hormones. So in terms of getting our menstrual cycle to be supported, a really good place to start is fine-tuning what type of macronutrients your body does need to keep your blood sugar balanced. And I always say, like, if you could just set your alarm to go off for about an hour after you eat and notice, you know, am I energized? Am I still full? Am I anxious or feeling anything negative? Am I feeling joyful? You know, how am I feeling? Because remember, you know, nutrients are there to be nutrients, right? They're there to give us fuel. And so if our food we're putting in our mouth is not giving us fuel and instead we feel terrible after, we can simply note that and realize that that might not be the best item for us right now and move on to something else and try again. And after, I find most of my clients after about two weeks have a really good sense of what works for them and keeps their their body moving and their energy up and their blood sugar stable. Okay. So that was number one. Number two general guidelines for the menstrual cycle. Eating in a calm environment and chewing our food properly, which I know sounds kind of silly and it's like, well, that's not a nutrient, but it is in a way because it's not just what you eat, but it's how well you digest and absorb your food. And so we so often just rush through a meal. We chow down on food in front of our computer. I know I'm guilty of this sometimes, but I really try to slow down and chew my food and breathe while I'm eating. And the reason being is that our digestive system's ability to work well (laughs) for our enzymes and our stomach acid to be released in quantities that actually are going to help us break food into something that's a nutrient for our body to absorb takes a lot of work if we're, and it takes a lot of work regardless for us to digest food. Um, So we are handicapping ourselves by not chewing properly and being stressed to a place where our digestive juices and things are not flowing. So I think that this is a really important step that's often missed. And number three would be to follow an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. I don't love the word diet, so I, I try not to use that word because I find that most women have been on a diet for most of their lives and it hasn't necessarily been a good experience. And with anti-inflammatory, <laughs> um, this could look different for different people, but there are some kind of general things to think about. Um, and, you know, I I love potato chips. I love, you know, um, chocolate and things like this. But, you know, my period does not love when I eat a bunch of junk food. And so it's just not something that's in, you know, my day to day. And when I do indulge, I just choose healthier options, right? Less sugar, darker chocolate, um, (laughs) something with maybe some protein and fat alongside of it. Okay. And so 
um, when we think about how can we follow an anti-inflammatory lifestyle or, or eating pattern, we can think about things that are the most common the most common to cause inflammation. And those would be refined vegetable oils, refined sugars, and chemical additives. You know, basically, if you think about man making food or, you know, quote, food like products, processed foods, that's where we got into trouble. And, you know, we're marketed to all this natural, this healthy thing. There's all these know, marketing words that they're allowed to use on products that are probably pretty processed. And so if we start thinking about like, how is this in a box and how much processing did it need to, to do to get in my plate, you know, then we can start to see whether or not something might be inflammatory for us. And we can kind of look on the back of the of the package and see like how much sugar is in here. Are there like a bunch of chemicals that I don't know how to pronounce? Are there a bunch of refined vegetable oils, which have been shown over and over again to be very inflammatory for the body, things like canola oil. And where can we shift and change those choices? So for example, if I want a potato chip, I'm not going to, I'm not going to opt for like a a Lay's potato chip, right? Because if you look on the back of that, the oils and things that are used, very, very processed. And I'm not saying that this potato chip isn't processed. Of course it is, but I'll choose like an avocado oil-based potato chip, for example, and just try to limit how much exposure I'm having to that kind of junk food, okay? So there's just like these little tweaks that I think we can make along the way that can add up to a, a big difference. But in terms of... Um, Going a little bit wider than those things, I find also that most women I work with, with digestion and anxiety and menstrual cycle issues, are really, really sensitive and inflamed by foods containing wheat and or gluten, cow's dairy, specifically A1 cow's dairy, and then GMO corn and processed soy. Now, not everyone, right? I mean, again, you're an individual woman, but if you're looking for a place to start and you haven't experimented with taking a food out of your diet and you want to try something, those are the those are the ones that I see most often come up on food sensitivity tests and also on um, just kind of in the removal phase, they women feel so much better. And there is, um, you know, enough data out there for sure on definitely on cow's dairy and on gluten and corn on how it can be inflammatory for some people. So those those are things you can think about removing, but then also like what can we add in if we're thinking about an anti-inflammatory lifestyle or food program? And you could really start to think about eating lots of and a variety of vegetables, like organic vegetables, right? Organic berries, uh, even incorporating herbs like ginger or turmeric into our cooking that have been shown to be anti-inflammatory. Thinking about those high antioxidant rich foods um, and phytonutrients and things like that, that can add so much nutrient density and so many anti-inflammatory properties. So, you know, when it comes to beyond that, I definitely always recommend, you know, work with a professional um, to help you determine, you know, what would be 
most anti-inflammatory for you. Um, because (laughs) I know during my journey, I once had like over 20 food sensitivities and one of them was like apples. Another one was kale. I mean, I've had, you know, you name it. And that was, you know, PS, if you have like a lot of food sensitivities, it's probably a gut issue, not the actual food. That's the problem, but that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so you, you can think about the basic guidelines and then you can get micro, right? So if you haven't done, I always say like, if you haven't done the foundations or the basics, start there and see, you know, see what happens for you. I've had women just remove dairy, cow's dairy, and their cycle got a lot lighter. Um, and a lot less heavy and a lot less painful. And that was their goal, right? So that's something to think about. So once we've had those kind of three basics down, and of course, I'm oversimplifying because this is a podcast. Um, There are other things that we want to think about fundamentally for building our health um, for our menstrual cycle, but those are three really good places to start. Then we can dive into kind of the four phases of the menstrual cycle and what we can do to optimize each with the food on our plate. So this is known as cycle syncing, and it can be a really helpful way to optimize our cycle and honestly, our whole lives. I will do a separate podcast all about how we can sync our cycle with um, not just food, but also with our work schedule and our exercise, because that is um, that is really interesting stuff. And it's been a huge up level for me. But again, like, let's take things one step at a time, right? And make sure that we're not overwhelming our systems trying to make a million changes to to our day to day lives. So with cycle syncing, I think what's the most important takeaway to know here is that throughout the month, a woman goes through a lot of changes, a cycling, you know, a a cycling woman who's not in menopause um, yet and and, uh, not on birth control that stops this um, hormonal flow, but a woman who is um, menstruating each month she goes through a lot of ebbs and flows, okay, a, a lot, and their hormones are are up and down and over and left and right. And you know, unfortunately, this is something that I think a lot of women have learned to um, feel shame about or be, you know, feel demonized about or whatever. Um, and I definitely was there with you, but I also know now that our hormones can be used to our advantage. And when we do that, it's a game changer. So let's talk about the four phases, um, what's kind of happening in the body during those phases, and then talk about some ideas for food that you could try. So during there's four phases. For the purposes of this, we'll talk about the follicular phase as kind of two parts. So the follicular phase includes your bleeding period all the way up to ovulation. So I kind of split this into two sections, like the follicular phase that's bleeding and the follicular phase or the late follicular phase kind of leading up to ovulation. Um, Some people just call the first part the menstrual phase and the second part the follicular, but technically it's all the follicular, follicular, the first two weeks basically of your cycle from day one of bleeding all the way to um, ovulation. So throughout the follicular phase, throughout the full two weeks there, or two weeks about, every woman's different, um, your brain is going to release hormones that both stimulate the production of eggs in your ovary while also increasing estrogen production 
And during the bleeding part, the first part of the follicular phase, it can be helpful to really zone in on eating foods that will lower inflammation so that you don't have, you know, a horrible, horrible cycle like cramping and things like this. But also because lowering inflammation can improve the communication between your ovaries and your brain. And finally, really thinking about how many nutrients we are losing during menstruation. I mean, we are bleeding, right? So depending on how much you bleed, you could be losing a lot of iron and zinc, right? And other other nutrients. So replacing that can really make the world of difference in terms of how you feel during that week. And so we already covered kind of lowering uh, lowering inflammation, but replacing nutrients. So um, what could we be eating to kind of replace nutrients here? Iron-rich foods might include uh, liver, beef, chicken, turkey, egg yolks, mackerel, trout, pork chop. And then, of course, if you're plant-based, it could be things like legumes and nuts and seeds and grains and dried fruits. Um, and you could pair that, and I would say I would say most people do well better on this if they're vegetarian, pairing those types of foods I just went through with vitamin C rich foods like citrus and bell peppers and broccoli and tropical fruits to boost iron absorption from um, kind of that non-heme iron into something that is really usable for um, for our plant-based friends. So that's a fun little tip. And then also, you know, vitamin C and vitamin B are really great things to think about during this time. So I'm a big fan of tart cherry juice um, or anything that really adds vitamin C, rose hips, guavas, kiwi, grapefruit, um, and B, B vitamin rich foods like clams or salmon or tuna, turkey, fish, um, potatoes or starchy vegetables or leafy greens. There's so many. Um, and then finally with zinc, Oysters. Oh my gosh. I actually love oysters. I know that a lot of people don't, but I love oysters. Beef, crab, lobster, turkey, chicken eggs, pork, cashews, chickpeas, oatmeal, almonds, beans, lentils, pumpkin seeds. I mean, there's there's so many foods here that we can eat to kind of replenish our stock. And I find it's really interesting when you when you actually get super dropped in to your cycle and intuitive with your body and, and what it needs, you might find that you're actually really naturally inclined to eat heavier, um, richer soups and stews and maybe even bone broths and things during this time of your cycle to replenish those nutrients. So you can kind of think of that time as like the winter phase if you want, and maybe like more, um, paleo, I guess, in terms of foods um, that might be helpful during that time. And I know for me, I feel that really, really intensely, like, oh man, I really need a lot of nutrient replacement here. And then as we transition into the late follicular on our way to ovulation, our body is really changing and those brain brain ovary communications are firing and estrogen and LH and FSH, they're all rising, um, preparing your body to ovulate. And um, we can find that our energy starts to return and our brain starts to clear up and our creativity is, is going. And um, along with this new energy, a lot of women find, and kind of with the rise of estrogen, a lot of women find a bit of a suppression of appetite and maybe they don't need as much um, 
of those like heavier foods. And so most women I know who start dropping into this find that the most helpful meals for them during this phase is to eat lighter, high fiber, antioxidant rich fruits and vegetables with a side of fermented foods and some like um, kind of lean proteins, right? So thinking through antioxidants like berries, broccoli, sweet potatoes, carrots, citrus, passion fruit, pomegranate, those types of things. And then fermented food really could be anything that's raw and fermented, right? So um, maybe a coconut yogurt or kefir or miso or tempeh. Um, if you do soy or if you don't do soy, like I can't do soy. So for me, I do a lot of like sauerkraut um, for fermented foods. And then as we move into the ovulatory phase, so this is when estrogen and luteinizing hormone and follicular stimulating hormone, FSH, all of those are at their highest. And during this time, you may continue to feel like a, a drop in appetite because estrogen is, is quite high. And, you know, this phase is quite similar, I, I find, to the one before. Um, however, some women create so much estrogen that they do feel like it's helpful to start incorporating foods that will support estrogen detox during this and kind of leading this all the way to the time that they bleed. Um and those foods, by the way, that can support estrogen detoxification are our cruciferous vegetable family, specifically things like broccoli sprouts, um, but other things. So Brussels sprouts, kale, cabbage, broccoli are all cruciferous vegetables. Um, and then, <laughs> and carrots. So carrots are another great one for that estrogen detoxification support. And I talk about this a lot in the in the recent gut mood hormone workshop that I did um, with Kyleen Terhune. And we talked a little bit about how can you identify if you're estrogen dominant. So definitely um, go and check check that out if, you, um, if you're not sure. It's under um, www.sophieandkyleen.com forward slash workshop. And you can kind of look through and um, listen and figure out if, if that sounds like you. But generally speaking, my ladies that feel estrogen dominant are dealing with painful breasts and PMS and heavy cycles and painful cycles and that type of thing. So you can also um, work with, with a professional to, you know, as I always say, test, don't guess. And, um, you know, we can spend a lot of time guessing at our, our symptoms. So Anyways, um, as we move through to phase four, which is called the luteal phase, this is what occurs after ovulation and brings us all the way to menstrual menstruation, so to bleeding. And after we ovulate, the ovarian follicle has just released its egg, and that ovarian follicle is then going to turn into a structure that's temporary. And it's called a corpus luteum, which I find that word, that phrase to be, the title to be just amazing. <laughs> corpus luteum. And this corpus luteum, the structure that has been formed where the um, egg and follicle were, um, begins to release progesterone in the second half of our cycle to help us to build and thicken the uterine lining in preparation for pregnancy, among a million other things. And the egg, when it's not fertilized, um, 
so the, the if the egg isn't fertilized, right, if you do, do not get pregnant, then that corpus luteum is going to disintegrate essentially at the end of this phase. And it's going to cause that decline in progesterone and estrogen and everything's going to shed and you're going to bleed and the cycle starts all over again. So this is also that part of the cycle that women tend to dread the most where they might get the de- the dreaded PMS, <laughs> um, which again, um, you know, I talk about this often, but PMS is, a, is definitely a symptom that can be, or symptoms that can be alleviated. You don't have to live with that, by the way. <laughs> um, so we can support this phase by continuing to eat those cruciferous veggies and raw carrot and things to help detox any extra estrogen if that's what you're dealing with and, you know, that it feels good for you. And it is also a great time to think about, well, what does progesterone and the corpus luteum need in order to sustain itself because really most women feel the best when there is a great balance between progesterone and estrogen in the second half of the phase uh, cycle so it makes sense that we would want to do things that could support you know progesterone um, in that second half since that's that leading hormone and so eating foods that are rich in vitamin c B6, magnesium, and zinc all support, you know, progesterone and that corpus luteum. And it's funny because the corpus luteum has a huge metabolism and it demands a lot of nutrients. I mean, think about it. You know, our body's crazy. It's making this whole temporary hormone gland um, every month. And so it needs things like cholesterol and B vitamins and CoQ10 and vitamin D and iodine and magnesium and zinc and a whole lot of selenium. And that covers, you know, a lot of foods, right? You know, we talked about vitamin C earlier. Um, B6 is a is a big one. So salmon and bananas and chickpeas and tuna and roasted turkey, winter squash, um, beef liver are all B6 rich foods. Um, zinc rich foods we talked about earlier. Magnesium is a big one. Um, magnesium's been shown actually to drop after ovulation, and this can be a big reason why women feel more cramps and more anxiety. And I, I think my favorite way to get magnesium in is through, I mean, an Epsom salt bath, but also dark chocolate because <laughs> I love chocolate. So um, I do a lot of Epsom salt in the second half of my cycle uh, to boost my magnesium up and to help kind of calm my brain chemicals down because I'm definitely more prone to PMS if I don't take care of myself. But, you know, you can also get magnesium from things like dark green vegetables and cashews and Brazil nuts and brown rice and avocado. So there's a lot of options out there. And by no means is that an exhaustive list of what I just went through. And then selenium. I mean, the easiest way to get selenium, I think, is just to eat, you know, one or two Brazil nuts a day. That's usually enough for most people. So these are not, you know, there's there's a lot of foods, but there's, I think hopefully what you're seeing here is that this isn't like a restricted kind of diet. It's more inclusive. It's really about nutrient building and finding the right amounts for your body that you're going to feel good on and your your cycle is going to feel good on. And if you can, if you need help with that, you know, getting support from a professional, of course, you can always reach out to me. I love helping ladies with this, but really the most important part is if you're going to work with a professional is feeling supported and connected to that person. So, um, so I think that that just about covers everything I wanted to 
talk about here. And I, I guess my parting thought on this particular podcast is I know that this can seem like a lot and it's a lot of maybe foods and vitamins that you don't necessarily really um, know about or haven't tried yet. But, you know, at one point I was just like that. I, I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to eat these foods, but you know, life's a long time and we get to experiment. And so it's okay to do things one thing at a time. And the bottom line is that if you're incorporating lots of organic vegetables and, you know, some antioxidant rich berries and you're getting high quality protein and enough healthy fats, you're probably going to do okay in terms of lowering inflammation and getting nutrients. And that would go a long way to helping you build happy, healthy hormones And if that's still not enough, then you just know that maybe that's when you bring in the big guns and you get some testing and you get some support. Um, But I always say, you know, like, look at the fundamentals. What could I be adding to my plate? Is there anything that I think is causing me to not feel so good? And take it from there and see what's true for you, right? True, Your health is your health. So it's not mine. It's not um, the next big Instagram blogger or whatever. It's your health. So take these guidelines with, uh, you know, um, with your life and your goals in mind and see what you come up with and see how things might shift for you. And I'm excited for you to try. Um, and uh, that's why we do this, right? To, to give you some support and education and to give you some inspiration to maybe try some new things that could support your cycle and your hormones and and all of that. So I hope that this has been helpful. Just a friendly reminder, you can always go to shetalkshealth.com and to the blog there and you will see um, a corresponding blog if you are more of a learner through written text. And I hope to see you guys back here for the next episode of the She Talks Health podcast. If you need me between then or before then, or you want to get in touch, I'm over on Instagram as well at She Talks Health. And you can always reach out to me to work on your hormones by simply going to shetalkshealth.com forward slash contact. If this episode has been helpful for you, please feel free to share it with a girlfriend who might need this. And if you liked this, definitely drop us a review um, on iTunes. We always love to hear from you and get, you know, get in touch with you that way as well. So I will talk to you soon. Until next time, this is Sophie Shepard of the She Talks Health podcast. Talk to you later. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.